You are listening to Horror Nerds at Church, a podcast where we take a deep dive into a horror film and talk about what it can teach us about God, the Bible, and each other. My name is Pace, and I am the hours of <laughs> uncut missing footage that was deleted from this film, apparently, and is lost and missing. I... I sure as hell hope that those uh, missing scenes and hours made this movie that we're about to go through so much better than it was because it was a nightmare for me. <laughs> oh, and speaking of me, I am Joe and I am the astronaut who wisely decided to stay the fuck home <laughs> and not go on this doomed mission. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay, so um we're talking about Event Horizon, uh, the 1997 film, and we'll get into that in a minute. But before we do, how are you doing, Joe? How's life been treating you? Life has been fabulous for me, dear. I am recording and speaking to our audience from some new digs. Uh, some good fortune came to um, my family um, hard work, promotions, and all of that kind of good stuff. And um, here I am with a much better computer than I was recording on last week. And let me just fill in the audience by saying, my old computer, it would delay our recording process by like ages. And I was always <laughs> feeling so bad and sending Matt and Pace like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And sometimes when my computer, my old computer was at its worst, I would literally take a screenshot and be like, y'all, this is what it's doing. But I'm on a brand new MacBook, which actually is functioning. So I'm happy. <laughs> Yay. That's awesome. I am <laughs> very you? happy for this as well, this development as well, because I, I know what it's like having an awful computer. Um, oh my gosh! What? Why can't? Why can't the PC folks make a computer that actually works? I I don't understand this. Yeah, right. I don't understand. And I'm working on. So I need a PC for my writing job that I do because they oh. use um, a certain program that you can only that only works on Windows at present. So yeah. it's like. The amount of times that poor Matt has had to run to Best Buy at like 9 p.m. Oh at night gosh. right before it closes because my computer has crashed yet again and oh, I oh. to fix it and try to recover. So thankfully at, at present, knock on wood, this computer has been um, chugging along for good like four or five months without incident. Oh my God. That's, that's fantastic. I uh, props to Matt for being so good about that. But uh, what else is happening with you pace besides, you know, computer things? <laughs> Not much. We had a really busy weekend. We, our good friend um, was kind of celebrating some job stuff. So we were kind of Aww. participating with that with him. Yeah. And then we just, uh, we also started cause gig economy, right? So we started, um doing doordash delivery so <laughs> that's kind of fun and an adventure um wait did you really yeah you didn't tell me that wow yeah. okay yeah but yesterday right yesterday was our first day so we did um we did two orders and made about living uh, about mi minimum wage um for the amount of time we drove but it wasn't during a busy time either so it's like it was kind of cool because like 
when it gets busy, I imagine we can make a decent amount of money, especially in DC. Uh, people, it seems to pay better than I have um, a friend who does DoorDash in Kansas City, and it's like it just does not. There's just not as much of a demand, and it doesn't pay as yeah. well as it does out here. So, but it's yeah, all... the economy it sucks. I hate it, but like it's a little bit. Yeah. It's a way to earn a few extra bucks. So it's uh it's all market based, and yeah, um, I'm guessing that uh, living where you live, uh, there's a better chance of uh you know making deliveries and stuff. Did 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 your customers tip you well? <laughs> yeah, I was surprised. It was really nice. Um, we only had two orders and we got tipped like 10 bucks ish for just the nice those two orders so it was real nice um, and yeah unless unless the service i got was really horrible in general i always give 20 or even 25 percent just because i know this isn't easy for a lot of folks and i'm not i'm not rolling around in money either but you know fair is fair and compassionate is compassionate <laughs> so mm-hmm. um yeah. Yep. Well, cool. Congratulations on, you know, starting an exciting side hustle as the youngins say. <laughs> yep. So, I don't know how much we're going to do with it, but we'll see. Um it, it I figure, you know, at very least it's like a little bit of mad money we can use or yeah. pay pay maybe put it toward the car's payment or something. I miss having mad money. Everything I know, is just right? <laughs> everything is for being alive money. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's, that's what it's been like for us oh this past gosh. pandemic. Oh, my um, Lanta. Yeah, Matt, at the start of the pit, well, this is turning to like a um, horror nerds and therapy episode segment like we do every now and again. But yeah, basically, yeah. when the pandemic started, Matt lost his teaching job. Mm. Uh, he was a school teacher in D.C. and um, the school he was working for uh, basically eliminated that position uh when the pandemic started so we just have never recovered that income and i've been trying to find a job during the entirety of the pandemic and just with no luck even stuff like starbucks isn't really hiring or they are kind of prioritizing former employees that were laid off during the pandemic of course which is good that they are but it's like there's just not much uh not had much luck looking for jobs lately so no i i really i really empathize with that I, and it's not just empathy like i know i have similar experiences and i don't think i don't think that you sharing that pace was turning this into a therapy session at all i think it's important to know that you and i are going through the exact same thing that probably all of our listeners are we're all in the same terrible capitalist boat and we try to make it work by watching horror movies and talking about it in theological terms yeah yeah i agree (laughs) one of the highlights of both of our weeks i know so and hopefully our listeners too absolutely Mm-hmm. So, oh, anything else going on with you before we uh, jump into this god awful mess of a movie? <laughs> yeah, uh, well, just some <laughs> housekeeping for the podcast. This is um, the penultimate uh, episode of season one, so we Wah. only have one. More... Yeah, I know we Wah. only have one more uh, film that we're going to watch. Joe and I go watch this week and record next week, The Mummy. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll talk more about that next week of course but just to let you all know um joe and i have already started talking about season two and we have some cool stuff lined up and we're gonna meet 
sometime in the next few weeks, I think, to discuss, to kind of map yeah. out season two. But yes. also, um, we have a surprise for you all uh, that I think is, I think we talked about it's going to come out after season one, but before season two. So I'm excited mm-hmm. for that. Yes, yes, yes. And you're not going to get the surprise out of me. Pace, do you know what the name Joe stands for in Tagalog? I do not. Well, I'm not telling you. Very nice. <laughs> uh, 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 for transparency's sake, I totally plagiarized that joke from the Golden Girls. Okay. I love it. <laughs> um, okay. So, yeah, we are watching the aforementioned god-awful movie, as Joe called it, <laughs> Event Horizon. <laughs> Uh, 1997, directed by Paul W.S. Anderson, who I'm sure people who are listening to this podcast, if you're horror nerds as well, recognize that name from his work on the Resident Evil franchise and Monster Hunter, as well as having Mila Jovovich for his wife, which is like, could you imagine being married to somebody who is like one of the most gorgeous people on the planet? I could not imagine. And both of them are like genre icons. Yeah. I think, I feel like they've been at every uh, important convention. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, so it's interesting, like um, a little bit of backstory about this film um, before we get into it. So it was written by Philip Eisner and then it was rewritten substantially by Anderson. He was given a huge budget for this because he was coming off the success of Mortal Kombat he was um, there was yeah, a budget yeah. a huge <laughs> budget and he got but he got rid of it was originally gonna be kind of like an alien kind of ripoff story it sounds like but he got rid of mm-hmm. the alien elements and he had 10 weeks wow. the typically directors are given 10 weeks to edit a film especially in a special effects heavy film like this yeah. um but they cut it down to six weeks because they're tr- trying to race to get it out before their other film <gasps> titanic they didn't what? want two films to compete so, so they wanted to get this one put out first mm-hmm. um so they shortened the editing process um and they put it in front of a test screening audience they hated it thought the film was way too long mm. so the studio came in greatly cut down the film to its bare bones deleted most of the gore and we're left with this really confused mess of a film dear uh, lord and uh, sadly, the deleted footage is lost, so it's unlikely that we'll ever get Ugh. the director's cut. Although there are rumors, I um, was in my research for this, that there's a VHS tape floating around with his original rough cut. So that hopefully can be restored or released in some form, but who knows? Mm-mm. I'm sorry, young millennial here. What is VHS? <laughs> right. <laughs> Listen to our episode on The Ring last week. We talked about a lengthy discussion about that technology. <laughs> oh wow i i really i if the lost footage is recovered i would be so down for that i want to see what could have made this movie great because if you just walked into the theater and started watching this movie which is what my point of view was when i screened this movie with you for our podcast if you were just walking in and just bought a normal eight nine dollar movie ticket you would the movie that you would see is a complete and total disaster yeah i mean it has a reputation of being a cult classic of course it's Why? awful in the box office but I, think, I don't understand i think what people like about the film is what i really liked about the film too this really like cerebral plot that the cut footage i think 
takes a lot away from. But there's just also like visually, like just the way the um, gravity device or whatever it is at the heart of the ship looks like that is nice very visually stunning so i can see yeah. why i mean i can i guess i can see the vision even if the execution is poor so i think that might sure. be part of the uh cult status of it I'll sure know, i yeah like listeners if you um if you are one of the people who just adore this film please please let us know and we're this isn't going to be just a making fun of the we'll do a little bit but we always do a little bit of making fun of the movie but um for real listeners <laughs> if if this is a favor of yours let us know i'd love to hear more about what what you like about it because yes i yes i didn't get i didn't quite see what made it a cult classic myself either so yeah convince us argue the point with us even flame me just like do something to <laughs> Do something to uh, convince us that uh, this was not exactly the trash that uh, I thought it was going to be. But I do agree with you, Pace. Uh, the the Event Horizon, which is the titular starship. <laughs> I don't even know if I'm saying that word right. Titular <laughs> is one of those words that you always see in print, but you never like really speak out loud. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, the the event horizon ship itself, um, I agree with you, is visually striking. Uh, we just don't we don't um, we don't get to see it <laughs> um, uh, for very long because of the murdering and the you know losing our minds and you know explosions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, what are your first memories of this film? Um, yes. Have you seen it before the before mm-hmm. we watched it? No, and rem- I, I haven't seen it before. And remember, um, I, I mistook this for another sci-fi horror movie that I had watched in high school. And um, after you know, uh, slogging through Event Horizon, this was not the movie that scared me. Um, <laughs> And I'm trying to remember what that was. But in the meantime, um, Event Horizon is a movie that came out uh, in high school for me. And Pace, when you were going through the backstory and you mentioned how this movie was in competition with Titanic for the editing room, I thought, oh, yeah, that makes sense. The uh, the timing for both of those um, is a... Uh, I didn't realize that both of those were like, you know, coming out at the same time or in production at the same time. Uh, Never saw the movie, but there were definitely commercials and um, print media for this. So, you know, if nothing else, the studio was actually trying to make an effort to get some eyeballs. Yeah. um, For me, I think I I remember seeing the trailers and stuff like I I was always I've always been into like sci-fi. So, yeah, Um, I remember I was in middle school when the movie was came out. So I remember like the trailers and buzz about it, Mm -hmm. but I never saw it until we screened it for the podcast. And that's one of the reasons I picked this one because it was on my list to watch for a long time Mm -hmm. simply because Mm -hmm. it has that cult status. uh, And so it's, and I remember the first time, like I was really somebody um, in my friend group really talked about it is they were, I was talking about, the abyss a james cameron film from yeah. the early 80s which i love that movie and yeah. the person um who was talking to 
said, well, you should watch Event Horizon then because it's kind of similar aesthetics and stuff. And then I'm not sure I would agree with that opinion. So now I want to go back to my friend and figure out what he meant by that. But I, but there are things that um, are kind of like similar, I think, between the two films, maybe. But The Abyss is definitely in my book of the better of the two films. I think that's that's ironic that your friend was recommending Event Horizon uh, based on this aesthetics of The Abyss as Event Horizon itself, as I mentioned, was competing with James Cameron's Titanic for the editing room. (laughs) Yeah. And um, another 1997 sci-fi movie that I just adore uh, is directed by Paul, uh, not directed by, but um, stars Paul W. S. Anderson's beautiful wife or partner Mila Jovovich in The Fifth Element. Yes, amazing film. And so mm-hmm. it's like I love that late '90s aesthetic for yeah. sci-fi. Um, and we yeah. even get a little bit of that with uh, Jason X, which we might be may or may not be covering in the upcoming <laughs> season we'll find out but guilty um, pleasure for me right so so there so there there are some really cool like late 90s themes in this film like kind of like uh alien four right yeah. resurrection whichever one um that that's kind of a late 90s horror aesthetic and a it, it's just i don't know it's something kind of cool about the late 90s sci-fi like no, Stargate. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. there's just this yeah. like, aesthetic to it. I would kind of dig it. No, you're right. You're right. They uh, they do have a similar visual presentation. Um, those sci-fi movies uh, that came out in the 90s. I really didn't think about it in, until you brought up Alien Resurrection. And I could immediately see what you were talking about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Winona Ryder in that one. We need to cover the Alien franchise. We do. We do. Oh, I love the Alien franchise. Like, it's strange, you know? Like, uh, I don't know why I like it. I'm a Trekkie, and I'm very particular with my sci-fi. And so with the Alien franchise, I even like the ones that are not so great. Alien versus Predator. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Right? Oh, I love both of those. Um, and of course, uh, the new like rebooted franchise with Prometheus and um, yes, Alien Covenant. Both of them I like for different reasons. Mm-hmm. But, um, anyway, we're not talking about those great films. We're talking yes. about this this mess uh, of a film. <laughs> this this mess. Um, you know that could have been a great movie. Let's let's leave some room for the actual fans of this movie we respect your position (laughs) yeah i mean i really think they're like the movie is really suffers because it's a commute uh confused mess it doesn't there's like the plot doesn't quite make sense and the pacing is really off and so i really think that the restored footage would has the potential to fix both of those issues and maybe this is a pretty good movie I mean, yeah. You can't get around Lawrence Fishburne um, phoning right. in performance, but like, I- <laughs> <laughs> aside from that, like, it's a mm-hmm. it's a pretty good movie. He tried, man. He tried. Did he? <laughs> <laughs> he, he, made- <laughs> he showed up. I'll give him that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, uh, fantastic actor. So I'm not saying anything about your ability to act. Larry yeah. Fitchborn, because of course we know that you are a listener to this show. But, it's just um, this movie. Yeah. 
um anyway so i guess we should walk through the movie um so feel free to interject your sighs and groans about how weird this is as we go so um let's see about 30 years in the future from now (laughs) a distress signal from the assumed lost experimental ship event horizon reaches earth the ship disappeared during its maiden voyage seven years before the events of the film so i guess in like 23 years from now and now has reappeared in orbit around neptune the crew of the rescue ship lois and clark captained by captain miller uh played by lawrence fishborn is dispatched Mm. to rescue this ship uh they bring on board the designer of event horizons gravity drive dr william wire where i think where where yeah william Ware, portrayed by sam neill uh the crew has a bunch of other people but really the only notable people that aren't just like there to be killed off essentially are kathleen <laughs> quinlan jason isaacs richard t jones and jack noseworthy and i'm not See, even gonna is... say their character names because it's just too many right but this is this is an elite ensemble i love this cast of characters um but not in this movie no i don't like any of these actors in this movie <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's some great actors there, like Jason Isaacs. Come on, mm-hmm. him as Captain Lorca in Discovery. You right, knew we were right. going to bring up that because it's Star Trek. We yes. have to. Mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and Kathleen Quinlan was making her own imprint in the 90s, um, popping up in a lot of movies. Uh, Breakdown was my favorite one. I think it was oh, Breakdown. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yes. And this is what? A year before Lawrence Fishborn is in Matrix, and uh, this is a few years after Sam Neill kind of really became a huge star from um, Jurassic Park. Uh, Jurassic so, Park, yeah. And the only reason, stuff. yeah, the only reason why I um, I knew the correct way of pronouncing his character's last name where is they yell it a lot in this movie. <laughs> nobody, do. nobody likes him. <laughs> Um, and and the tension between um, the captain played by Lawrence Fishburne and Doctor Ware is played up like it's it's tuned up. The knob is turned to max, but there is like no context to why they hate each other. This is literally mm-hmm. tension that was thrown in just to have tension. But let yeah. me not take away from your walk uh, your walkthrough. <laughs> No, I mean, that's that's legit. And again, maybe there's some character moments that we see more of in this, in the deleted footage. I mean, I would Gosh, hope there's hope at so. least like a script or something to to read to read some of these scenes because... Me too. I don't know. Um, but as it stands, though, you're exactly right. It just, there's just this like forced tension between them and it's like mm. a pissing contest for... Yeah, exactly. 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 Um, well, they let's see. They make it to Event Horizon and find the entire crew is dead and missing. Oh, what a shocker. I know, right? <laughs> they figured out that the gravity drive took the ship into a black hole as it was intended to do. The black hole is actually <laughs> a gateway to an alternative hell-like dimension. You know, I've had some ex-lovers describe a night with me that way, so... <laughs> oh my gosh, I do not want to know about your gateway to a hell dimension. <laughs> Continue, face. Oh my goodness! Uh, <laughs> that's not the black hole we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> 
The Event Horizons crew was driven insane and killed each other in an orgy of violence. Um, Another date night. No, just kidding. Right. right? <laughs> uh, somehow the Event Horizon gained sentience while in the dimension and has come back. And I guess it's to lure other people into the dimension. It's not mm. really explained. Um, Jack Noseworthy's character briefly gets trapped in the alternate dimension and then comes back catatonic. He wakes up from his coma, possessed by the ship and about to kill himself by getting sucked out of an airlock. He is rescued by Larry Fishborn, but not before his eyes explode from the decompression. <laughs> uh, Sam I Neil's shouldn't character, be laughing. Right? <laughs> but it was like really bad CGI too. Like late 90s CGI before they quite had it like right the weight it needs or whatever so yeah anyway then Sam Neill's character sees his dead wife who is part of the crew and she stabs out his eyes and then he gets possessed (laughs) by the ship and I guess he activates the gravity drive so it's about to go back to this dimension he and Larry Fishborn have a fight the self-destruct countdown of the event horizon starts all the crew is killed one by one except for the ones i mentioned in the beginning um because they're all just fodder essentially uh then sam neill mm-hmm. kills jason isaacs in a very graphic way that was very similar to uh midsummer you mentioned <laughs> yeah 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 and somebody then, yeah uh the 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 hanging of Jason Isaacs's body and a certain someone in midsummer was, uh, was the same. I'm not going to say who that was because for whatever reason, there's probably someone out there who wants to watch midsummer, which yeah. I, I do recommend. Um, and then listen you to just, our episode, of course. And then, and then listen to our episode, but it is a lot to take in. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, then uh, Larry sacrifices himself to k- kill Sam Neill and save the remaining three members of the crew who all go into the sleep tanks and are rescued at the end of the film. In a brief fake out, Kathleen Quinlan thinks she sees Sam Neill on the rescue team, but he isn't, I guess. And that's how it ends. And that's a wrap. Um, when you mentioned just now that, uh, that the captain dies to rescue the remaining survivors, I was thinking of poor cast member Jolie Richardson whose whose character in this movie was literally just to um describe conditions rather than <laughs> us seeing them like like <laughs> she had no personality <laughs> that character like I don't know who she was it's just like she was a you know what it seems like she was a red shirt who lived <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And um uh Richard T. Jones who got like blasted into space but then like mm-hmm. used his oxygen tank in this really like not at all realistic kind of uh right afterthought of him f- floating back to the ship and R- Richard uh, T. Jones's weird. role in this movie was to be the hot astronaut. <laughs> yeah, essentially, yeah. <laughs> that 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 was that. Um yeah so i mean at least kathleen quinlan's character uh you know had some shard of depth to her i mean she plays a single mother uh, i think it was mentioned in the movie that she divorced her husband and um mm, she was yeah, yeah. she was she was supposed to see ta- spend time with her son before she got abruptly um assigned to this mission um so yeah at, at least at least there was that um I don't know what else to say. <laughs> What's yeah. on your mind, Pace? Um, well, there's I should say Sean Pertwee's also had a was one of the cannon fodder 
essentially characters in this he was the pilot of the ship i guess and he he died fairly early on but um he is the son of john pertwee who was the third doctor in doctor who oh really yep Um, his character was um a little a little heartbreaking and i only say a little because Again, his character did not get a lot of space in this movie, no pun intended. Um, but he's clearly he was clearly depicted as, you know, the young one, you know, the 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 one who's excited about the journey. And mm-hmm. then and then this is what fate has in store for him. So towards the end of the movie, um, when I got a better grasp of what the story was supposed to be, <laughs> right? It um it started to remind me of the fifth season of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which I think was also happening around this time, or maybe it might have been late. No, 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 no. The fifth season was much later. Yeah, uh, because the fifth season was when I was in college, and I'm class of two thousand. Um, but the plot of the fifth season, uh was about uh, this villain who wanted to overwhelm our dimension with her hellish dimension. And so that's what I was interpreting the uh, sentient starship and Sam Neill's possession to be is that whatever creatures were living in that other dimension, they wanted to overwhelm ours. I, I don't know. What do you think, Pace? Right? Like, I I basically, after I watched it, I thought that this was the um, bad remake, essentially, of Disney's The Black Hole, which is a fantastic movie, and we need to cover Mm. that sometime. Mm -hmm. It's kind of horror, kind of not, but I love it. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. um, it it just, it it felt derivative. um, and, And I do think, like, the way that some of the deleted footage and gore is described like it sounds really compelling and um i like apparently there is like they used sex workers and uh, basically porn porn stars and stuff to depict some of the uh scenes of the what the hell dimension was supposed to be like in like this orgy scene or something so it was like all sorts of weird stuff with like gore thrown in so i really wonder like visually it just seems like it really doesn't quite hit the mark or pack right. the punch that you can tell like the greater vision was intended to be. So, so I good... really, it's really hard to just, you know, yeah. completely good... write this film off. That's all I'm trying to say. Sorry. And, and, and I, and I totally get that. Um, what you said just now about some of the visuals reminds me of how I wandered over to Rotten Tomatoes. Um, <laughs> uh, as you do. And uh, I pulled up some of the reviews of the, you know, the more established national critics. And um, I am forgetting the names, but I was surprised to read some positive stuff from, I guess you could say a name brand critic, quote unquote. Um, And the common theme on those positive reviews was the striking visuals. But for me, the visuals like happen too quickly and too fleetingly and they're lost in the muddle of this, you know, of everything else that's happening. Like I couldn't appreciate them the way they should have been appreciated. Yeah. But I do have to say though, like I, I feel like a lot of the film was shot using practical effects at a time Mm. when Mm sci-fi was becoming increasingly CGI. True. 
there, that's not to say that there weren't there wasn't bad cgi in the film because there absolutely was like lots of bad cgi blood <laughs> and um yeah also the scene where the floating objects in the gravity free area of um the event horizon ship like had like a floating water bottle that was just like really bad cgi plasticky <laughs> cgi um but i know what you're talking about mm-hmm. but like just the fact that there's like a they threw a lot of money at this film so like it's really state-of-the-art um practical effects that look convincing for the space scenes it's not just like like it looks as good as like one of the um star trek films yeah before they went cgi uh, right <laughs> so and yeah no i i agree with you the the event horizon is a really interesting looking ship on the inside and the outside uh i remember saying to you that i thought that the outside of the uh event horizon looked like a romulan warbird and i said yeah. that compliment complimentary complimentarily yes I, I meant as i meant it as a compliment you know because i think the romulans uh warbirds are really pretty um but again you know uh so much of the detail is lost and just all the jumble of activity that's going on yeah and also like none of the actors really seem to be that they're all phoning it in i thought so yeah i mean like I think Sam Neill is convincing as a villain in this film. Like, but even his performance, it just feels like everybody is like tired. And like, yeah. maybe it's that's the vision for the future is like everybody just talks in these very like deadpan kind of could be very limited to- tone militaristic yeah. kind of future. Maybe I don't know, but it just yeah. just felt really flat. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean, and. I couldn't tell if it was, yeah, if the actors were just had just lost the drive to be in this movie or if it was a lack of directorial notes. I mean, you know, who knows? Um, one thing, though, that is coming to mind is you had mentioned that there were some of the crew members were hallucinating. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is this is um, this is going to bleed into our theological discussion, if you don't mind. Yeah, we can go into a deep dive if you want now anyway sure. done, so let's, oh, okay. let's do it sure yeah so the con the whole concept of um being visited by you know the worst um of your memories or the worst traits of 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 who you are is the kind of storytelling concept that i think has been uh you know has been done in literature and I'm sure it's been done peripherally in a lot of religious traditions. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of some biblical scriptural, I guess you could say that storytelling uh, motif appears in Endor. Yes. Um, So that's the kind of uh, aesthetic that's going on with some of, with these characters, you know, um, these these parts of themselves that are the most critical or the ones that you know make them feel less than human human are um are are manifesting uh as a result of contact with whatever entity is on the other side of that black hole um which is a great setup like as a pitch if you only pitched that i think that would be enough for a studio to be interested in execution 
it didn't work. And I think the biggest flaw was I, and I noticed this only towards the end of the movie, the captain played by Lawrence Fishburne. I don't, I don't, and I don't know if he noticed this pace, correct me if I'm wrong. He didn't seem to have, you know, anything to be haunted by. Um, and I, and I thought that was odd until he was, uh, he was about to be confronted. Oh, well, no, he was confronted. He was suddenly con the, the being or whatever on the other side of the dimension um, was suddenly reminding him of, I guess it was a crew member that had been in trouble in a previous mission. Yeah. And, and he had saved him or at least he thought he did, but you know, the evil entity was trying to convince him that he hadn't. I think so, it was like he told yeah. the story about how how um this crew member he had to make the choice whether or not to save him and he, and yes. the guy was on fire so he had to leave him behind or something I don't know it was yeah. weird it was it was kind of like this random all, like dumping of his backstory yes, like right exactly it all just suddenly came out I'm like yeah that's that was really weird you're telling a story in the <laughs> middle. You're telling a story in the middle of the end of the movie. <laughs> yeah. So, mm, mm, mm. but okay. Actually, you know, um, you clarifying that tells me, reminds me of a much better example of that. Uh, <laughs> it was a two-part episode of Star Trek Voyager where the doctor of the ship um, is evacuating the entire deck where sick bay is. And he thinks he has gotten every crew member to come evacuate through the Jeffrey's tubes. Um, but it turns out there's two more. And right behind those two crew members, a fireball is coming their way. And the doctor has to decide. And of course, he gets into the Jeffrey's tube, closes the hatch, because the fireball um, would have engulfed them before the crew members you know, were able to, those two crew members were uh, able to evacuate. So it was actually a really striking scene and a good um, character development note um, on Voyager. And, you know, it's really saying something, especially for those of our listeners who are, are deep genre fans who love all aspects of science fiction. I have to say pretty nerdily, it's saying something that I am saying Voyager storytelling is better than Event Horizons storytelling because I love. Don't get me wrong, I love Star Trek Voyager. Um, there's a lot about it to talk, um, to praise. Lots of it to to, to praise. Uh, but the storytelling was really jumped. It jumped around, you know. Um, yeah. And getting and getting seven seasons of that could have been really was really frustrating. Um, but seven seasons of um uh uneven unstable storytelling added up to much more <laughs> than what event horizon was oh for sure so um one of the things that i had in mind to talk about for the deep dive is just kind of what the, how hell has evolved um uh hell in the i love that yeah so hell in the hebrew bible was as it was beginning to be developed, it was a physical place that was right. called Sheol, right. um, kind of like a, the underworld um, in their cosmology. It was kind of literally underground, which is kind of where I think uh, a lot of this Christian notion, um, pop culture, pop Christian notion of hell being down and heaven being up uh, 
come yeah. from this kind of stuff. Uh, and it's basically where uh, the um, people would, who died would basically live in this underworld. Um, it wasn't sort of a immortality some like in an underworld kind of way until later and that kind of came later it was originally just kind of like a resting place or like this valley of bones uh that we get Mm -hmm. in ezekiel Mm -hmm. and then um that kind of evolves in the intertestamental period between the hebrew bible and the new testament when um thanks to hellenization of the entire uh, ancient Near East, basically, right. it started to merge with Greco-Roman understandings of Hades and that kind of thing. Uh, even so, in the Jesus's time, uh, the New Testament writers use the word Gehenna, which is mm-hmm. kind of this. Basically, it was a real life place outside of the walls of Jerusalem, which was kind of like the garbage dump of the city. Mm. Um, but then it kind of just became like kind of the way like we might. We, people shouldn't use this word anymore in this way but it's still sometimes used like the word ghetto to describe right. ghetto is a very specific type of place but people will use it like to refer to like a rundown area of town um sure. so that's kind of the, similar to the way that gehenna was used um and then uh so um but then especially toward it i, I mentioned i think this was last week or Fairly recently, I talked about the pseudepigrapha in one of our past episodes. I don't remember which one. Yes, I I, I do recall that. Mm-hmm. But that's like the collection of all these books that didn't make the canon of the Bible, yes. but were written in mm-hmm. the intertestamental period. Yeah. Between that and then some of the Gnostic Gospels, and especially with the great influence that um, philosophy was on the scholastics, we get this really kind of high theology of what hell is Mm. like by the time we get to the system systematic theologians um so yeah and stuff in the medieval period so this so and then we get things like dante alighieri who wrote right um inferno and stuff like this really deep um in-depth depiction of all nine layers of hell and stuff so it's like so hell has really evolved over the um past well what six thousand years since some of the yeah. earliest parts of the Hebrew Bible were being written and put together? First of all, first of all, I would love for you to either write a paper or a book called "The Evolution of Hell." <laughs> that sounds so interesting, and I would totally read that. Uh, second of all, uh, what's interesting to me about um, what you described regarding hell uh, from the early Hebrews to Event Horizon? Oh, another idea for a book. <laughs> Uh, is that, you know, along the way, uh, extra theological sources, by which I mean outside the theology, outside religion, start to intertwine. And so you mentioned Dante. And the the effects of um, a phenomenon outside of theology, on theology itself, become interesting when you look at it through, you know, the lens of hell. And for me, in my assessment, what you're seeing is hell in its earliest forms, you know, a valley of bones or just a, a, a barren landscape. It's, it's more of a, an unknown slash warning. Like, mm. 
if you don't live a good life, well, and this is very, very elemental, but if you don't live a good life, you know, that's, that's where you end up. So, but, but we, but we do believe you're going to live a good life. So we, we don't necessarily think you're going to go there. You know what I mean? It's kind mm-hmm. of like, it's not an afterthought, but it's something to keep in mind. And then as hell evolves, it really becomes more of a control mechanism, especially by the time you get to Dante. It becomes elaborate and it starts to be issued as a threat, not even a consequence, a threat. You know, if you're gay, yep, you're going to burn. Um, yeah, yeah. So it, it, it goes through something, uh, uh, definitely goes through an interesting development. And by the time we get to Event Horizon, um, I wouldn't, I don't know if I would outright call the dimension on the other side of the black hole an evil one, but it's clearly one that we don't want to go into, or it's one that we don't want to enter our universe. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it makes me, the way it's described and the little glimpses of it we do see that um, weren't fully cut out, uh, make it seem like it's very similar to Clive Barker's understanding of hell from the Hellraiser series. Right. So, so I feel like there's a lot of influence of Hellraiser and that kind of imagery you, that made it into this film. I Along those lines, Pace, I just thought of something. The Devil's Advocate, starring Keanu Reeves, also came out around this time. And it had the same, well, not the same imagery, but it was it had imagery that was trying to evoke the same feelings as what we saw in Event Horizon. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Al Pacino, right? I had yeah. that movie in forever. Yeah, yeah, Al Pacino as Satan. I mean, surprise, surprise. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I and um, I saw that movie in the theaters as a kid, and it really, it really got to me, you know, in in a way that mm-hmm. a movie like that should have. And I don't know if I had if I had seen Event Horizon at the movies, would I have felt the same way? I mean, you know, this is a question that makes no sense being asked because we'll never know. Um, But yeah, just watching Event Horizon as an adult, it's like I understand the story they were trying to tell. And I even understand a lot of the theological pulls that I can make from this movie. Mm -hmm. The thing is, it just, it didn't work. You know, it wasn't a, it wasn't a complete thought. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I agree. Uh, And I I really found it compelling what you're saying a little earlier about um the way that hell has become used as a threat and stuff like that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and of course then there's kind of other systemizing of kind of like the theology of hell where we get things like purgatory and stuff so it's a really fascinating topic i think it's something that since we're doing a lot of horror films we'll come back to so definitely stay tuned for further discussions about how we can go sure. more deeply into some of this stuff but um i think that's a good introduction to it at least i hope it it is i um and i was just thinking now that uh that the book of revelation okay clarify for me doctor uh is it revelation or revelations we always get that mixed up singular singular okay so the imagery in the Re- in the book of revelation you know it has all of this battlefield imagery between good and bad and i think that's what's happening at the end of this movie when they come face to face with the black hole and um uh 
you know, the message, the message is we can't let the bad overtake us. You know, there, we have to fight so that there's a new heaven and a new earth. And uh, that's, that's kind of the parallel I was making between with event horizon thinking into the book of of revelation. Yeah, for sure. Um, It's very interesting because like, I feel like so much of that, the more cerebral kind of and visual exploration of those themes was the stuff that ended up on the cutting room floor. So I think get a little bit, yeah. but even from that, it's just, I think yeah. there's, there's, there's enough there to, to kind of get, I guess what, what's trying to right. happen. Right. And, you know, um, venturing outside theology a little bit and just latching on to, uh, you know, your, your cutting room floor train of thought, for me as a genre enthusiast i'm i'm seeing a lot of things that were thrown into event horizon from other other works i i had mentioned earlier buffy the vampire slayer um and also the fact that this crew um is established in the beginning as a half-hearted crew none of them wants to be there like Mm -hmm. they really make an issue out of that um uh that reminds me of Star Trek Deep Space Nine and how the entire first season was about Commander Cisco at that time. He was only a commander and how he hates being tossed into this bumfuck um, nowhere uh, space station. So yeah. like, you know, some of the things that are in Event Horizon we've seen before if it had been a deeper and better movie, perhaps it might have been if we get that restored footage. Um those those things might not stand out or they might even fit into the story yeah the version of the movie that we got you i can't respect this movie on its own terms yeah because it's not it's it's that problematic of a movie for me that i'm just assigning pieces of it elsewhere you know to what i've seen before yeah 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 it makes no sense like that whole scene of opening scene of sam neill on the space station like we're not given an explanation for why he's out there and then suddenly he's on the ship and it's like we don't see him board the ship right like it, the first yeah. part of the movie is so disjointed you can tell that yeah a lot of that um establishing well my guess is a lot of kind of the establishing dialogue and setup and world building was cut like it yes. really doesn't give you any world building you're just thrown in and, yes without any sense of what's happening. And I, yeah, I, that was your first criticism of the movie. When we screened it together, you said that this movie doesn't build a world um, very well. And it's true. Cause like, I'm trying for the entire movie. I, I was really wondering what kind of earth are these people coming from? Right. Is it, is it a post-apocalyptic earth or is this an earth where we've all um, made amends with each other and now we're working together to, explore outer space i i had no idea um going going to uh sam neill's character dr ware and how he was introduced at the beginning of the movie um so we see him sleeping in his uh what do you call it his it's not his quarters it's like his sleeping pod uh or whatever and you know there are pictures of his wife all over the wall which mm-hmm. by the way if you'll remember i i said those don't look like authentic pictures those look like just regular headshots <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and so uh uh sam neil's character dr ware is having a dream about his wife uh and he wakes up and the hallucinations continue for 
another minute or two, and I was thinking of Solaris, both the original from the 60s, as well as the George Clooney remake, because that that was the whole premise of that movie was, you know, being haunted uh, by your past and 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 all and all of your other inner demons. Um, and so I was getting a Solaris vibe from that uh, from that scene. And that was already a red flag for me because I was I was thinking to myself, okay, it's trying to be Solaris. But I was wrong, Pace. I was wrong. You know why? It wasn't trying to be Solaris. It was trying to be a million other movies. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. And I've never seen Solaris and I've always wanted to as well. So maybe we should. um, We should. I I think that there's a, I agree. I think there's a lot of interesting theological things to pull from there. So yeah. And I just want to say that this is not us talking about how bad this movie is, is not any detriment to the director uh, because I am obsessed with the Resident Evil franchise that he directed. So damn good. I love it. Some of them are corny and cheesy. Some of them are great, but they're Hmm. all fun. So yeah, I'm, I'm partial to the video games myself. I've never seen any of the movie formations. Um, Maybe that will be a future season of Horror Nerds at Church as well. That'd be lots of fun, actually, to do a run through of the Resident Evil films. So basically, audience, we've um, we've envisioned this podcast running until we're dead. Yep. Because <laughs> yep. we're going to cover, huh? Yeah, or yeah. until the eschaton, whichever comes first. Exactly, yeah. Because we have so much that we really want to talk about and share with you. The Resident Evil franchise. We got to do Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Well, one of the things I want to um, ask the audience, this is something Joe and I have thrown around as an option. So, Mm -hmm. um, but audience, we'd love your feedback. Would you be open to us instead of doing the season format of like 20 to 25 episodes a season with a few months of break in between? Would you like it to become like a every week podcast without any of the breaks or something? So, so that's something that Joe and I have thrown around as an idea. But if that's something y'all would like, let us know. Um, and just know also that we're going to be launching a Patreon with season two, most likely. Uh, so that would be one way you can help support us to make something like that happen, since it's mm-hmm. a lot of work and we like our it is we like our breaks. Um, right now because it's a lot of work but if we're getting paid and stuff right. for it uh sure and th- that's something that we consider too and because uh, this the, is so fun we love it the the second idea you had for a production schedule where we uh make episodes all year round i just want to point out pace that that's how general hospital is is produced so <laughs> yes we weren't going to escape this episode without at least one general hospital mention yeah so so for those playing the drinking game you can take your shot <laughs> and star trek we talked about star trek too so you had a shot for that yes but you know come on it's natural to bring up star trek but like who except joe will bring up general hospital in the middle of a horror nerds at church podcast accurate also we did mention golden girls too because you started with a golden girl that's right so you can have right for golden girl reference that's right there you go there you go see i i like to be a very comforting gay with (laughs) you know with uh habits that you can you can expect (laughs) any any other insights to uh, derive from event horizon 
No, and I love that this is going to be a short episode because our ring episode is like two hours long. So I think it's cool that we can end this one a little bit short. Um, yeah. I want to... I guess we're up to rating the film. So uh, how would you rate it? <laughs> and what's your favorite kill if you have one? Uh, and we're still doing jack-o'-lanterns for the rest of the season. Sure. I love our jack-o'-lantern Me setup. Too. It's a, uh, the jack-o'-lantern is cute on its own terms, and it's a great nod to Halloween. Uh, <clears throat> okay, I'm going to be frank. <laughs> I didn't like this movie. I didn't. I didn't. I'm sorry to the fans, um, and for those of the for those of you who consider this a cult classic, um, this version of the movie that we get without any of the backstory that we heard about, it wasn't good. Um, and I'm giving it one one jack o' lantern <laughs> out of ten. And uh, my favorite kill was I. I have none. I don't give a shit. <laughs> I'm, I, I, this is, this is the assertive gay in me coming out. This is the PG County Maryland in me coming out. I, I never want to see this movie again. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Well, let's see. I will rate it. I don't know. Five out of 10 jack-o'-lanterns. You are so generous. <laughs> well, I, it's cause like I was saying in the beginning, there's, there are, um, visual elements of this that I just think are so well done and yeah. the special effects are so well done aside from yeah. some of the CG that it's like it has so much going for it that it's not just an downright yeah. absolute awful trash film right but there's also enough that it just doesn't quite get to be as good as I think it could have been so I and I agree with you I I don't want to minimize the visual appeal and all of the hard work that went into the technical things. But for me, there's just too much going on. That's very negatively distracting um, for us to really appreciate, uh, you know, all of that stuff. Yep. Yep. Uh, I guess my favorite death is, and I do have one, um, is uh, the death of Jason Isaac's character because oh. that was just like very, one of those visual aspects of the movie that makes you right uh, wonder more and want to know what's going on behind the scenes there and yeah. uh <laughs> uh um death that uh just gets an honorable mention but isn't good because it's not even really a death is jack noseworthy getting thrown out the airlock with his eyes <laughs> eyes exploding and yes all this stuff. Just, he didn't die he survived but it was just like really bad science really bad cg it was just really bad all around and not a well <laughs> you know after giving it a little more thought i guess i could backtrack and um i i guess if there were one favorite death uh that i would single out so remind and remind me again, Pace, because like I said, I didn't like this movie, so I didn't I didn't commit a lot of it to memory. Uh, didn't Captain Pace, Captain Pace, Captain Pace, <laughs> the captain who was Lawrence Fishburne's character, didn't he? He didn't he? He he blew up the mm-hmm. Event Horizon, right, to save the others. Mm-hmm. Okay, so while he's blowing that up, he says fuck this ship and and i'm just i was just thinking in my head is that you know the captain's last defiant stand against the evil ship or is it lawrence fishburne trying to tell us he hates being in this movie (laughs) 
His so. performance alone tells us what he feels about the movie. <laughs> I know. Um, so yeah, let's be fair. That is my favorite death. <laughs> Very nice. Like it. Well, um, our next movie for our final movie of season one. Sad, sad, sad. But it's The Mummy. <gasps> 1999, Yay. directed by Stephen Sommers, starring Rachel Weiss and Brendan Fraser and a whole bunch of mm. other people. Great yeah. movie. I'm really excited. So, uh, uh, in in that whole bunch of other people, uh, we should also mention oh, uh, John Hanna. Yes, mm-hmm. John Hanna. Yeah, I love I love him. Um, he was in Sliding Doors with Gwyneth Paltrow, and he was just the most adorable little man in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Have another shot for Joe lusting after. <laughs> <laughs> isn't is not that what i'm here for isn't that yep. why you hired me for this podcast <laughs> yes exactly oh did you have any more thoughts before we uh we sign off for the day nope i think that's it. it um next week we should probably do something a little special um so you and i should, should connect about that to see if we can do something a little fun since it's our last episode of the season well, we should we should do something fun for the audience and i think just for uh, for both of us, we should like bring a pound cake or something. <laughs> That's a good idea. I like it. To kind of, uh, you know, kind of acknowledge the work that we're doing here. And yep, I yep. say work, but this is fun. This is yeah. so much fun. Well, for Matt, it's work. For us, it's just fun. <laughs> well, you know what, Matt? We love you. <laughs> and someday when we get our Patreon going, <laughs> we are going to compensate you appropriately. Yeah. <laughs> And I compensate him in inappropriate ways all the time. And he's very grateful well, for that. That, that, that is your prerogative. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. So. <laughs> well, uh, I guess we're going to say that's it for our show. Uh, our theme music uh, was by Matt May, who also edited this episode and will apparently be uh, compensated nicely by Pace at some point. Yep, yep. Uh, <laughs> Horror Nerds at Church releases every Thursday. Please comment, rate, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on social media, uh, Facegram, Facegram, not, not Facegram, face, Facebook and Instagram at Horror Nerds at Church. And we're also on Twitter, HNAC. P-O-D, for all the latest updates and upcoming films, news, and other announcements. Until next time, if you are suddenly recruited into going into a last-minute mission that you have absolutely no background on, don't. Stay the, f- <laughs> stay the fuck on Earth. <laughs> right. <laughs> Until next time. Until next time. Stay the fuck on Earth. Stay the fuck on Earth. <laughs> that should be <clears throat> our slogan going forward. Stay the fuck on Earth. <laughs> T-shirts that say Stay the fuck We on Earth. should. Yes. 